Hello, and welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze. I'm Julia Strand, here as always with my co-host, Jonathan Peel. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Julia. Uh, so we are on the precipice of a, a new academic year. Uh, some people have already gone back and are already teaching again. Um, and although I really feel like every new academic year is special, um, this one is particularly special because we are going from a year of tremendous uncertainty and for many people um, fully remote teaching or hybrid teaching or really uncomfortable masked distanced weird teaching to well what are we going to um uh, uh, uh maybe less uncertainty in some ways um and and Jonathan and I were talking about um a, a lot of this conversation about you know going air quotes back to normal um and so we wanted to talk today about what it means to be back to normal and the ways in which it can never be normal again um and and what uh, what kind of new normal might look like and i think yeah and we i think part of that right is like we don't know what all the you know covid or health situation will be but but maybe centered around you know, stuff that we had to do in the last year, but actually we like, right? Like there's a lot of stuff we had to do we don't like, but maybe there's some stuff we want to keep. Yeah. So, so the question is, you know, assuming, assuming at some point it becomes possible for us to all be mashed together in person, unmasked. I mean, if that's even appealing at this point, um, you know, but, but do we really want things to be exactly the way they were in 2019, when we all went back to school that year, um, or are there things that we want to keep from the pandemic? Clearly, a lot of stuff we want to kick to the curb, and it's been just a dumpster fire of terribleness. But there have been some things that actually have changed the way that I teach or interact with people or think about things or make decisions um, that have been valuable, and, and we might want to we might want to hang on to even after we don't have to anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about today. What are we going to, what are we going to keep from the pandemic? I, should, we, should we start with all the things we're not going to keep? <laughs> that might take too long. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know how we, we want to categorize stuff. Like anyway, a big thing is just doing things remotely versus in person, right? And that's, maybe mm-hmm. that's everything we're going to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. One of yeah, my favorite, what's that? There's other stuff too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Well, anyway, well, I, I'm just going to jump in. One of my favorite things um, has been able being able to give talks uh, to places where I normally wouldn't have traveled to, um, and so that could be internationally or elsewhere in the country. And, uh, and and I used to travel a lot more, but not everywhere has money to to fly you out. And now that we've got young kids at home, I, I try to travel a lot less. So there's definitely I don't enjoy. Personally, I don't enjoy giving a Zoom talk as much as going somewhere. It's it's a significantly worse experience than going somewhere, but a Zoom talk is also significantly better than than no talk. And so I, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed all of the all of the remote talks I've done. Yeah, and and that also, I mean, is great for a lot of accessibility issues, right? Mm-hmm. That places, yeah, they can't afford to fly you out can still get to hear from you. Um, for things like conferences, people who don't have resources to travel to conferences can still keep doing conference things remotely. Um, and uh, and and I mean, so you know, we can talk about resources, but there's also 
plenty of reasons that it's difficult for people to travel, like family obligations or, you know, physical, uh, uh, physical issues or something like that. And so, yeah, uh, even though there isn't quite the same thrill of getting to see a room full of faces and, you know, all of the banter that comes with like with being in person. There's big, big accessibility perks mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think and formerly we, uh, there was no reason uh, uh, four years ago we couldn't have been doing a lot of Zoom talks, but mm-hmm. it sort of like wasn't culturally acceptable or whatever. People hadn't. Anyway, I think there was a little bit of a bias against it, like in principle. And then also not everyone was doing Zoom all the time. So people had to like figure out the technology. Right, right. Yeah. And, and it seems like a lot of these things have been. You know, people saying, oh, well, boy, that sounds complicated. I don't know how we'd do that. And then when suddenly we're all forced to figure out how to do it, then it's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. now we know how to do that. So right. I guess we can keep doing it. Right. I mean, the thing that I that I miss the most, um, and then we can wrap up the talks, but that's just, that's just one, one area. But uh, the actual talk, I find totally fine. And I think probably just from doing a bunch of online teaching, I, I know some people find it really weird to like talk to their computer and not have a room in front of them. And I'm, I'm pretty okay. I mean, we do this podcast all the time. We're talking and there's no one here. So I, I'm sure I have a lot of practice with that, but I miss like hanging out for the day. So, you know, a lot of times yeah. if you are invited to give a talk somewhere, you give your talk, which is one hour. And then the other eight hours of the day, you're like meeting with graduate students and talking to other professors and some of them, you know, and some of them you don't, and you might go out for dinner. And that's all the stuff that, um, you know, that I think suffers, you know, in fairness, people try to do little Zoom get togethers or, or gather hangouts and stuff, but they're not quite as good. Mm-hmm. The other, um, in addition to like remote talks and conferences, um, I really appreciated uh, Carlton had um, fully virtual faculty meetings last year. Mm-hmm. And to begin with, our faculty meetings are from 4.30 to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, once a month. And it's, you know, it's just impossible for Such a bad time. Well, for people with small children and, yeah. you know, people with other kinds of caring obligations. And um, but it was it was actually amazing that I could get to, like, go to faculty meetings while cooking dinner or, you know, being with my kids mm-hmm. or all three at the same time, which wasn't exactly lovely. It's just like a master class and task switching. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but 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 that's just that's amazing because mm-hmm. a lot of that information, you know, if, if it's mostly information transmission and every once in a while asking a question or something, that's the kind of thing that you really can do at home with children. And mm-hmm. it's just so much more convenient. Right. And, and being able to you know, not have your camera on or, or turn it off if, if someone, well, if a child climbs in your lap or starts screaming or something like anyway, and most, in a lot of the bigger meetings, no one even notices. And, and generally people are kind of okay with that. So yeah, I've appreciated mm-hmm. that too. Yeah. Also though, I do miss the, you know, banter with colleagues before and after. Right. Well, you know, one thing that's highlighted, I think is like how much benefit we get from those, um, unplanned spontaneous social interactions and I, I, that's probably obvious but i think you know it's in a way it's easy to go through and list all the advantages of like zoom meetings and we can get to some disadvantages but i really i do miss all that and there are people who i um have had grants with that i haven't seen in two years and like we just literally haven't talked whereas formerly most of our talk would be bumping into each other before and after mm-hmm. other meetings uh, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't yeah. happen at all so that you know that's a something i miss a lot 
Yeah, banter rules. I remember reading an article like early on in the in the in the pandemic or like a, a few months in where, you know, it was talking about how the people who you really want to talk to, you still find time to talk to and, you know, do your Zoom catch-ups and whatever. But the, the the people that you end up really missing out on are like the casual acquaintances and like mm-hmm. people you just run into. And those are those are really nice to those are really nice to have. So mm-hmm. wait, we're talking about things <laughs> we're talking about things we don't want to keep after the pandemic. Hold right, on. right. <laughs> We want to go back to well, banter, yeah. But I think so. But this is like well, it's all a balance, right? So we just listed a whole mm-hmm. bunch of advantages of like online meetings, and like, mm-hmm. but then do we really want to keep every single meeting on Zoom forever? And I think the answer is if if we have a choice, probably not. So like, not. maybe more online stuff than before, but maybe not a hundred percent all the time. Yeah. Um. Okay. And an, another one. I feel like in in my world there was a shift during the pandemic toward making more meetings into emails. Um, Like there were things that we could have met about and probably if we were in person, we would have met about, but people were, it it seemed like more willing to just email about stuff rather than set up a Zoom meeting about Mm it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is just delightful. I mean, (laughs) meetings are great for things you need meetings for, but when they can be all done over email, that's so much better. And so I hope I hope we can kind of carry forward the attitude of, does this really have to be a meeting? I uh, I did not have that experience so much. No. And maybe I was just not paying attention. I felt like the bar to setting a meeting was almost lower because, um, you know, there's no travel time between meetings. And so it used to be if I had a half-hour meeting, well, then I have to take 10 minutes to walk there and 10 minutes to walk back. And so, you know, there was fewer back-to-back meetings and there was like more schedule coordination, it felt like. And now it's like, oh, if you have a half-hour slot, why not have a meeting there? So I, mm-hmm. I almost feel like I, I don't know that I do more meetings, but mm, not fewer. Uh, or it could just be that it's exactly the same number and I just like find it more annoying, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Which is also, yeah. anyway, but I, I think, um, but if, if you're, I like the idea of fewer meetings mm-hmm. when possible. So I think well, that would be a good thing. And and maybe that was also a function of, so during the, during the really dark days when we were fully locked down and my kids were home, um, I, I, I may have pushed back more on meetings and said, let's see if we can do it over email first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just because I had, my, my time was so incredibly scarce. Yeah. 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 Well, but yeah. So is that, so in a way, you you had some agency over over your meetings, right? And you kind of yeah. discovered that out of necessity. And so I wonder if that's something you might continue even if you're not in lockdown. Yes. Yeah, that that has really been a, a big one for me is that I had um, a real kind of mental shift early on uh, when I, I feel like I just kind of went into survival mode, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, kids are at home. I have to figure out how to teach online, flip all my classes, um, you know, I only have like a half a work day because my husband and I are splitting childcare. Also, I'm panicking about the state of the world and all of that. And, and so I really streamlined and just, and said no to everything that wasn't totally essential, mm-hmm. um, and got a lot of practice saying no and felt much more like peace about not doing things, um, than, than I normally would. Because I was just like, oh, yeah, you just that's not that is not humanly possible for you to do that right now. You don't have to feel bad about it. You just can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that is one thing that I really do want to carry forward is not just trying to, like, fill up every minute and do everything that I possibly can. But really, like, being more mindful about 
the things that I want to take on and where I want to focus my efforts and being more okay with, with not doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and I, and I think it's kind of worked. Like I have, I have kind of turned down stuff or opted not to do things. Um, and, and I think felt less guilt than I would have before. Uh, and so I want to, mm, boy, I want to keep that up. Mm-hmm. Well, you had some practice, like forced practice. It's kind of like the yeah. Zoom thing, right? Like, like people don't want to do it, but then if you're forced to do it, you, you do it and it's not so bad. And maybe yeah. this is kind of similar that like, well, I don't want to say no to stuff, but now that you did and like nothing fell apart and maybe there were some good things, maybe your brain will, mm-hmm. will figure that out next time too. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just like being at peace with not doing all of the things, mm-hmm. I feel like is also, you know, yeah. a, a, a skill that can be practiced. That's huge. Yeah. I'm very bad at that. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can teach me. <laughs> yeah. We can practice. Yeah. Just, you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. I know, but there's so much cool stuff to try. There is, but, but let me refer to you, this, <laughs> let me refer you to this episode we did called a pile of no's where right. when you try to do everything, none of them end up as good. Right. Right, right. I'll link to that in the show notes. Julia, where would people find show notes for, for this podcast? Juiceandsqueeze.net slash 42? Yep. Yes. 42. 42. The answer to all questions. Boy, so we got we to gotta figure everything <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, in this no episode. pressure, right? <laughs> um, okay, so keeping some things virtual that, that can be, more, uh, fewer, fewer meetings that can be emails. Uh, being at peace with saying no to things and being more mindful about the things that we do take on. Those are good ones. Mm-hmm. Those are good. I wonder, it, kind of under the heading of like things that are, you know, uh, emails instead of meetings or whatever. I, I mean, I do think my my lab, for example, got better at um, electronic communication generally. You know, so we mm-hmm. use Basecamp and lots of labs use Slack, but I feel like we did get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about teaching a bit too, but I, I feel like in my classes, we also got better at, um, you know, non-in-person communication. Uh, yeah. and as we've talked about before, I've started doing a, a Slack workspace for all of my classes and I, you know, I'm now that we're, we're back in person this semester, I've continued that because I felt like it's a really good, you know, supplement to, to in-person stuff. And that also lowers the pressure if people can't come to class for whatever reason, you know, I've kind of kept up that flexibility too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's great. And that, um, segues nicely into something that, that I've been thinking a lot about as I retool my classes for, for this year, which will be fully in person, knock on wood. Um, uh, and, and that is like thinking about building in flexibility in ways that I might not have thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were online and there was this like, uh, especially early on when, you know, I'd like literally had students driving to a coffee shop so they could sit outside a coffee shop to like do assignments on their phones, um, you know, just like terrible circumstances to try and learn in. Mm-hmm. Um, and And in those circumstances, you know, I would never say like, oh, you didn't get your assignment in on time, you get an F for the day. Or like, oh, you got COVID and couldn't do work for two weeks? Well, too bad. You should have thought of that before you got COVID, right? right like right. I, we, were, we were in these situations where it was just like the only humane response is to be flexible and accommodating. Um, and so I figured out how to teach in ways that 
that are more flexible and accommodating. Mm-hmm. And and so now that we're going back to in person, you know, I was like looking at my syllabus and it used to say things like, if you miss more than three class periods, you were likely to fail the course or something. And I'm like, do I really want that? Like, it, it, like it, it, is, is that how I want to kind of organize my, my classes going forward? Um, and so I have opted to continue to try to build in lots of flexibility and lots of opportunities for students to screw up and then still be able to, you know, be okay and make it up. Obviously within reason, like they have to do the work and things like that, but just to be less, um, I mean, I don't, I I wouldn't have called my grading practices harsh ever, but to be less kind of harsh and militant about deadlines Mm -hmm. and trying to come up with ways of, you know, having assignments that are less like, you have 20 things that you have to do and you have all of these hoops to jump through and, you know, you know, just, just to make it easier to have that, that additional flexibility. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things, you know, with, um, you know, with the pandemic, everyone's struggles, are not, well, I'm going to say this knowing that it's not quite true, but everyone's struggles were out in the open. And I know that's not true because everyone still has to, their own personal story and their own personal struggles, but at least we had a common, a common thing that we were all, um, working against. And, and as you said, there's like, there was no, um, or there's no stigma about like all these pandemic restrictions because we're all dealing with it. Right. And so that, I think that's in contrast with like quote unquote normal times when lots of students are, in situations that make it hard for them to learn and have all these extra pressures, whether it's medical or family or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But 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 there there is a lot of stigma about certain things and, and there's privacy issues and they might not feel comfortable telling me or I might not want to know. I mean, all these things, right? And so that's why I, I love the idea of like structural flexibility that, that mm-hmm. helps everyone. And yes, yeah, some people are going to need it more than others, but but we don't need to, to know all of the, the details to kind of um, have that in there. And then there's also the selfish part of that is like, um, they don't, well, they don't have to come ask me, which means I don't have to always, um, um, make all, a lot of decisions, you know? So mm-hmm. if I have 200 students in class and a hundred of them come ask me for extra time or something like that's a lot of my time for something I'm happy to do. But if I just say, look, everyone has extra time and, and if not, everyone needs it, like that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the pandemic like laid bare so many, so many inequities in our mm-hmm. systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and, and clearly the burdens of COVID were not evenly distributed. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and, 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 and I think for many of us, like seeing those inequities so obviously, um, shown a light on things that have been there all along, but, as you said, like have, have, you know, been in our day-to-day teaching lives typically more hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, thinking about, you know, thinking about how we can build more equity in our classrooms um, and, 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 and just like be, be kinder to our students. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like seeing, seeing so many of my students struggle with mental health issues and, you know, issues with family. And I think it is very easy for faculty to forget that our students are human beings, just like we are, you know, like Mm -hmm. they're not just little automatons who come and sit in front of us for an hour and 10 minutes and then, and then go away. Um, And during, during the pandemic, I, I mean, I think one of, one of the perks of being at a place like Carleton is that 
my classes are really small. I get to know my students really well, and I get to know them in lots of contexts other than the classroom. Um, and I always make an effort to like go to their volleyball games and go see them in plays and, you know, have coffee with them off campus and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do all those things to like really build connections with, with students. Um, because it is such a good reminder. Cause I, I feel like if you don't ever do that or think about that, it's easy to forget that they are humans. Um, but man, seeing, you know, seeing people in their bedrooms and with their families walking around and, struggling to try and find internet and all of those things um i think it was also like humanizing mm-hmm. in in a lot of ways um because you realize that all of the things that are hard for me are also hard for them i mean you know it's different sets of challenges for different people and, and, mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. that but um but i feel like it really like broke down some walls in terms of um in terms of just how I think about students and how I no, I just, I want when <laughs> to get all savvy. I just want to like, I just want to help them be successful in all of the ways that I possibly can. And I think that some of the ways that I have taught in the past where I thought I was being, you know, tough, but fair or rigorous. Um, I, I, I just want to make sure that I'm erring on the side of giving them a thoughtful, challenging learning experience without without contributing to breaking them mm-hmm. well so maybe we could talk about like one specific issue that i've been thinking about um and and i bet you have two um in that context and that's like uh assuming it's allowed uh attendance at class so i used to um not well in my bigger classes i didn't take attendance because I just didn't think it was practical to do it accurately. And, and also I, I wanted to give some flexibility, but I had lots of um, in-class activities. I, I would have in-class pop quizzes that there were no makeups for and uh, group work that there were no makeups for and so on. And I would drop the lowest, you know, whatever, one third of these. And so if people missed for, you know, for whatever reason, like that was fine, it wouldn't kill their grade. But if they never came to class or if they missed half of the classes, like there was no way to to get those points back. And I think mm-hmm. uh, because I had, because I was trying to be gently encouraging or maybe it's not gentle. I thought it was gentle because I was dropping all these grades and stuff. But anyway, because I was like, well, you know, there is a benefit to being here in person, to be engaged, to hearing me lecture. Uh, and so, and, and the lectures were not recorded back in those days. Um, and so if you didn't come to class, you would you would not get the lecture. You might get your notes from someone, but there was no way to to make it up. And so I thought, well, this is a good, like, I'm helping them learn, right? And it's an 8.30 a.m. class, and so some people need some extra motivation, and so I'm giving them the motivation. And now I'm kind of looking back and saying, well, you know, we've we've gone through an entire year of, like, no one ever being in person and everything being recorded because it seems like the only right way to do it and also I think we're required to, but, uh, and so is it really that important that people show up in class? And I, I think most students want to go to class, but do I really want to, um, penalize them for not coming to class? And also like now with COVID, I don't want to incentivize them to come to class if they're sick. I'm like, no, 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 right. you stay home if you're feeling sick and you can do just as well and learn just as much. Um, so that there's no, you know, there's no you know, penalty. So I'm I'm still on the fence about it a little bit because I think I would like people to come to class. But anyway, currently, you know, there you you could never come to class uh, and engage in other ways and like and probably uh, do just fine. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's real. That's really tricky. Um, and I think it depends a lot on like the kind of class too. Like if it's a discussion class, that's right. different. If you're never from, discussing you know, anything, from a right? Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think like having systems in place so that people don't feel pressured to come to class when they're sick, for sure. Um, and and ways of making things up afterwards, um, I, I think is useful. Um, I, I I have to admit that I, I feel like this is somewhat less of an issue because um, in my experience, Carlton students just usually come to class. Um, like e- even if there aren't, you know, even if like we don't take attendance or there aren't pop quizzes, they just mostly come. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I, and I guess the other approach that um, that that I have tried to implement and, and will continue to is to like make it clear why coming to class is worth their time. You know, so mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. not trying to do like sticks of you'll get in trouble if you don't, but more just like it's going to be fun and you're going to learn stuff and it's going to be interesting and it's going to help you, you know, do whatever big assignments are coming up later um, so that they're, you know, intrinsically motivated to come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, easier said than done, obviously. But, well, but um, I also think like most people do or most students um, um, recognize that like watching the video is not as good as being there. For what you know, for yeah. a multitude of reasons, and so I think I mean anyway. I mean, I, our students like to come to class too. Mm-hmm. I, and also, I think like talking explicitly about the benefits of coming to class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so so after you lecture for a while, and then someone asks a great question, and you you know go off on some tangent that people are interested in, and then after that, saying, "Hey, this is so awesome! If you hadn't been here, we wouldn't we wouldn't have gotten to this, and this is like a new insight that helps is going to help us understand the next thing down the line and whatever." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like there are so many of those teaching moments in class where, like, we do something deliberately and mindfully or appreciate something, um, but if you don't explicitly point it out to the students, they don't know. You know, they they, they wouldn't have noticed that on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Here's this is well anyway everything's a tangent right but I'm just thinking about class stuff um you know for group work especially if there's any group work where you want to like share a screen right mm-hmm. like in the olden in the olden times we mm-hmm. you know people would gather around one person's laptop and, and and get all close to each other and in each other's personal space and then I could come over and look over their shoulders and be like oh look at that thing you're you're showing me um mm-hmm. and that's actually something I found you know, in, in a lot of ways to work better online also, either with Zoom or or with Gather in terms of like screen sharing and like just everyone being able to see what's going on and also potentially record it. Um, and, and that's something I'm like struggling to think about how to integrate into my in-person classes. Like, so I'm, I'm teaching this um, brain imaging class. There's a lot of computer work that's related to this. And so right now we, we are all in person, but I'm wondering if we might, I might actually like back off and do some online days just for like screen sharing and group work to, to make that better. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, seeing people like write together in Google docs even Mm -hmm. was, you know, uh, remotely over zoom. I was just like, Oh man, like if you're writing together, it's so much easier to each have your own screen. And I guess you could like each have your own screen sitting next to each other too. But like, that seems like, 
you know, there's not, there's definitely not value added in like crowding around the same computer and all trying to share one keyboard or right. something like that. Right. Speaking of group work, I recently heard COVID, uh, COVID described as being the worst group project ever. Because <laughs> some people end up doing all the work while others don't, but then we all get the same grade. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's true. That's a good yeah. one. Yep. <laughs> So one other teaching thing we should maybe talk about briefly is, is office hours. Um, mm-hmm. and, the, and I only mention this because this is another thing where like, anyway, we're all in transition right now, but, but, um, we, we've been encouraged to do online office hours, uh, for the reason that when we're in person, we're all wearing masks. And so doing office hours virtually lets us to take our masks off. And, um, and so I, I found the whole social aspect of, of this semester so far, really interesting because there is more in-person stuff, but it's all masked and distanced. And so Mm -hmm. like, there's this weird thing where like, I like being with people, but then the masking and the distancing makes it feel a little bit less connecting. Whereas like on zoom, we're not there in person, but I get to see their face and we can, you know, it almost feels more, you know, more socially engaging that way. So I I mean, I, neither one feels optimal, but I don't know. Do, Do you have thoughts on, on that? Yeah, one one thing that I have been, was really struck by about office hours um, when I was doing them exclusively virtually is that if I had a bunch of student meetings all stacked together, um, it is so much more efficient to do them virtually uh, because when students like come into your office and they like take off their coat, sit down, pull their computer up, wait for their computer to boot up, mm-hmm. you know, like that's time when we're visiting and it's pleasant, but like they get less time talking about, you know, their paper that they're working on or the code that they're doing or whatever, just because there's, there's more of that kind of like buffer and transition time. Um, and it's also slightly more awkward when the next person comes a little early and I have to say, Oh, sorry, hold on just a second. You know? Um, but when it's virtual and I'm just like old one out, new one in. Pew, pew, pew. Um, and so I was thinking that it, that it might be nice to still have like some chunks of virtual office hours, especially for like quick questions where I'm like, you just need like 10 or 15 minutes. It's just a quick thing. That, that might be easier to do virtually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so so I think I think the way that I'm going to set it up is when students book an appointment with me, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, here's my office number, like you know here here's where you should come for it. Um, but like if you'd prefer to meet virtually, send me an email and I'll send you a Zoom link. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that you know students might might have the option to make that easier. Also, maybe that means they could meet with me in a time slot where they wouldn't otherwise be available because of like transit time or things right. like that. Right. I also actually, I like doing virtual office hours on, on gather because uh-huh. so what I usually, so I, I, I think I shared this before, but the, my, um, you, know, you can, you can upload your own background, your own map. Right. Uh, and so I, I, on a whim, I did the clue board game board, um, but it works out really well because there's lots of different rooms and it makes me laugh. So I'll like go in the lounge and then if there are more than one student waiting, like they'll take turns just like they would in real life. Or sometimes a bunch of them will want to come talk to me together. And I, I find, I feel like it's more flexible and efficient than having them each sign up for a 15 minute slot, which, you know what I mean? Like if the first person is done in five minutes, then you're just sitting around yeah. waiting for 10 minutes. So I, I kind of like the, the gather time. So we just have like a, a, well, anyway, actually, I don't change it from semester to semester. I just have like a, a, a peel teaching lounge, and like that's where I mm-hmm. go hang out during during office hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. 
I'm just so excited to see their faces again in the same room. Oh my gosh. I'm so, so, you know, people are moving in on campus. It's like starting to come alive again. And I'm just so excited. I'm Mm -hmm. just so excited to be in the same room with them. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to, you know, now that you're in person, you obviously recorded a lot of stuff previously. Are you, are you, are you repeating a course? Yeah, I yeah. am. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, but it's, it's not a super lectury class. It's a, it's more of a, it's a seminar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have recorded lectures for them. Um, but I think, I think what I'm going to do is, is, is mostly do everything in person. Um, because for a lot of these lectures, like what I'd rather do is like present an idea and then talk about it and present an idea and then talk about it. Um, and I do a lot of, you know, like going back and forth between lecturing a little bit and then having discussions. And when, when it was online, I just mashed all the lecture together and then had all the discussion, but I think it's going to make for better, you know, better conversation to, to, to split it up. Um, but for the, the places where the content is pretty similar for people who have to miss, I'll make the recorded lectures available so that, you know, I'll be like, you can't have the discussion because you weren't there, but you can at least, you know, have the, the like content delivery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'll use them, you know, as, as backups. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah. Well, same. Yeah. This is, um, I don't really have, I mean, I have recordings of class last year, but I didn't, I didn't really do lectures for this. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, we're recording everything. So if people can't show up. They can, they can see it. And, and actually that's been working fairly well. There's like an overhead mic in the classroom, which is mm-hmm. pretty good at picking up discussion. Uh, and like the, the camera gets the chalkboard so I can actually go draw on the board, which I felt like, um, has actually been challenging in other rooms that I've taught in. So yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I think this is actually a pretty good compromise. Yeah. Well, good. We talked earlier about the, the things that COVID has, um, laid bare, shown a light on, made more apparent. Um, and, and we mentioned, you know, the, the inequities and challenges that, that students face. Um, and one of the other, one of the other things that I feel like we have all been talking about more is, um, mental health and the challenges of our jobs and the challenges of living in the world as it is. Um, and that's something I would really hope we keep up too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people have in, in general become more comfortable or I don't know, out of desperation at least are, um, you know, talking more about things that are hard. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely like cried in front of students more in the last 18 months than ever before, which is to say I cried in front of students. Some. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, and like, and 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 then had conversations about like, I'm sorry, it's uh, there is an insurrection happening right now. I can't really think about what we're supposed to be talking about, so let's talk about something different today, or you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were there were like a number of current events that you know the timing of which I just had to be like, gang, we're supposed to have lab meeting today, but I am not in a headspace where I'm able to do this. And, you know, like, this is what bowing out gracefully looks like. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and I tried to, like, um, uh, justify it or at least make myself feel feel better about it as being like, sometimes stuff is really hard. And when it's really hard, it's probably good for students to see us dealing with it being really hard rather than, you know, just pretending it isn't, right? Mm -hmm, Because then mm -hmm. when things are really hard for them, they have some models of, like, 
how do we how do we do this? Um, and so I hope there is less crying in front of students in the next 18 months than there has been in the previous. <laughs> I, I'm making it sound like I do that. There were like there were like three times. You know? Right. Um, but, you know, but, but like being able to, like, I am much more comfortable now talking with students the day after something terrible happens. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I want to keep doing that. Um, I want to keep making it clear that I don't think that, you know, we are teaching in a bubble where the real world doesn't touch us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, and I want to I want to keep that up. I mean, making it making it clear how the world affects the work we do, um, and not being ashamed of having emotional responses to it. Well, I mean, that, that kind of um, ties back into what you were talking about earlier with with sort of like you know um, having an opportunity to maybe see your all of us to see our students as like you know as more well-rounded people or fuller people than we might have before because because of all this covid and we get to you know see their webcams in their houses or or whatever but it also goes the other way too that like it also you know gave you the opportunity or or maybe forced you to um to be a little more authentic with them or 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 whatever to share more than you might have uh previously and maybe that's also a good thing too, right? That they can learn to see you as, as, as a, a higher dimensional person than just your, just a professor or whatever. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And in, in line with this, another thing that I hope we keep talking about um, more, more broadly in academia, in the country, you know, in the world um, are our systemic racism, our, our inequality are the ways that our institutions perpetuate it. Um, you know, those those conversations um, have 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 bloomed in the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 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 it seems like I mean, you know, at least at Carlton, it is it is very clear that we're laying the groundwork to keep talking about it and figuring it out and trying to, you know, change our systems and make our institution more more equitable in, in all the ways we can. Um, and yeah, and that's let's keep that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it sort of you know it, it it kind of was a um I don't know is kicking the pants the right word I don't know it, it sort of spurred mm-hmm. a little bit of action that sort call. of been mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah exactly I mean I think there, there, there's we've kind of really addressed this indirectly but I guess it's worth just pointing out that like for lots of people so we're, we've been talking about our experiences and this applies to academics but we've always had kind of more flexible jobs to some degree but a lot of people have been working remotely for a lot of the last year uh, including in environments where previously it was like no no one can work remotely that will never work so I mm-hmm. think what I hear a lot of discussion about in um, not so much in academic settings because I think again it's been historically more flexible but but just generally that like actually you can work from home and and as you mentioned before with like accessibility issues um and child care and, and so on like that benefits a lot of people and i'm I'm kind of curious to see in 10 years you know will that change have persisted or will, will there be a slow drift back towards you know no you have to go to work five days a week or whatever and, and you all have to get there at the same time so the roads are really busy <laughs> right right, <then>. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, but but it's also been a wake up call in terms of, you know, the 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 huge disconnect between 
people with cushy, pampered jobs like ours mm-hmm. who can just go fully remote and, mm-hmm. you know, the frontline workers, essential workers who, who don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and like the staggering rates and staggering difference in rates of COVID among, you know, university professors versus line cooks, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. um, that it, it's also a good reminder of like the incredible privilege that, that jobs like ours afford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll keep face masks around even if there was no COVID? I mean, like our kids, for example, got way fewer colds last year. I think we had one cold last it winter. It was amazing. You know, I mean, I did I even get sick? I don't know. So I feel like the face masks and hand washing is like not necessarily 100% face masks, but like mm-hmm. going to the grocery store. I mean, I'm all for face masks at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And like, especially if you feel at all sick. Right. You know, right. putting on a face mask. But yeah, I also when you live in a place where, you know, it regularly gets to 20 below, mm-hmm. uh, face masks are awesome in the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You get you guys up in those cold climates should have figured this yeah. out already. You know, I I was really amazed that the like my kids, when they get like all bundled up in their snow pants and stuff would be like where's my mask? And I'll be like, oh, we're just going to be outside in our yard. You don't need a mask. They'll be like, no, but my chin will get cold. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. right. Little little plague children there. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what's the thing you're most looking forward to getting rid of? I mean, we were going to focus on, you know, stuff that we potentially like, stuff we might want to keep or incorporate. But what's the thing you, you, you know, hate the most? <laughs> Um, can I, can I reframe that as like the, the thing that I'm the most looking forward to? Yes. Or, yes. Or, yes. Uh, hugs. Yeah. Hugs. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. chatting with strangers in bars. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I love <laughs> humans. I love being close to them uh-huh. and touching yeah. them and talking yeah. right up in their faces. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Hot, sweaty bars full of people I don't know that I get to make friends with. Uh-huh. That does, that's not something all, I miss all of the at introverts all. listening are like, oh, it's so, it's so <laughs> right. terrible. Like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know, honestly, travel is not is is not too yeah. far down the list. Uh, either being able to fly somewhere, and, and that's a whole other thing we haven't gotten into. And probably flying less is good for the planet. But um, all of our family lives super far away, so it's been hard to see people. And then having to, you know, qu- potentially quarantine beforehand and and lots of COVID tests. It's just been it's been hard to it's been hard to see people. So I would like to be able yeah. to see our far away our far away people uh, more often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've we've covered a lot of grounds of things that we um, that we would like to take from the pandemic into into new normal. Um, but dear listeners, we'd love to hear from you. What are the things that you would like to hold on to and continue doing even, even after we don't have to? Um, you can find us on Twitter at Juice Squeeze Pod. Is that right? Is it mm-hmm. Juice Squeeze Pod? Yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, uh, or you can fill out uh, uh, on our website, juiceandsqueeze.net. There's a contact um, spot where you can uh, uh, leave comments. Um, also, if you leave your mailing address, we'll send you stickers, real life stickers in the mail. We have a few of those left, don't we? We have a bunch. We have, we have a bunch. So, I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, they're flying off the shelves. Get one before they're gone. Right. But there's still time for you to get one. Right. Yeah, well, we'll send you more than one. You can have a bonus sticker just, just for being you. <laughs> 
for a, for the friend that you convert to being a Juice Squeeze listener. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.